Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. They don't seem to know when the deadline is. They don't seem to to know when the deadline actually is for getting out of Afghanistan. I understand you can't give us uh, an update on the number of troops on the ground, but I'm still confident that all the troops will be out by the deadline. And also, if you can clarify when the deadline will come into effect, like... Cabal time, August. It's 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 a little uh, bit complicated. No, no, affair. For, for, uh, answer to your first question is yes, and the answer to your second question is I'm not going to get into it. Now all of a sudden, we're not going to get into when the timeline is. Well, that's something, because the timeline, the deadline has been everything, and as we know, it's the Taliban that set the deadline because of a threat given. To U.S. commanders, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That is the number. Feel free to call Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. Here's the quote. As in the uh, Washington Post, in a hastily arranged in-person meeting, Senior U.S. military leaders in Doha, including McKenzie, commander of U.S. Central Command, spoke with the head of Taliban's political wing, Abdul Ghani Baradar. We have a problem, Baradar said, according to the U.S. official. We have two options to deal with it. You, the United States military, take responsibility for securing Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it. Kabul gave you... An ultimatum? And and by the way, you is us. Kabul gave us an ultimatum? Looks like Chris Cuomo ain't the only one who's Fredo. When Kabul gives us a deadline, you kill the person giving you the deadline right there and then, and then everybody else in the room, then you throw their bodies out of an open window. Now, if you say to me, my gosh, Tony, you are coming in heavy early. The answer is, look, uh, you're asking me how I negotiate. I'll give you that answer anytime. I'll give you that answer over breakfast, over lunch, or over dinner. It's the same answer. They don't tell us how to negotiate. They don't tell us what we have to do. We tell them. If you're not set up to do that, well, that's a problem. Now, I didn't say there aren't some times you'll take a beat, you take a breath. See where it can go, what else you can get, what else can be done. Then you got to handle the thing. But to get pushed around by by these people, by these terrible people, by these non non human people, they're terrorists. They don't believe in humanity. They believe in death. They believe in destruction. That's who they are. That's pretty ugly. That is pretty ugly indeed. This is just one of many, many stories going on. 
We've got reports um, that uh, five rocket attacks have been intercepted by the U.S. missile defense system. This, an attack on the airport in Kabul. They're expecting more attacks as you see these last flights leave. We don't know how many Americans have been left behind. You've got the U.S. engaging in drone attacks on supposedly an ISIS-K subject. Somebody who may have been involved in the planning of the murder of 13 Americans, U.S. service members, never mind hundreds of others. But how in the world did we get the intelligence to be able to go after somebody? We have no intelligence on the ground. The mess continues to grow. The Taliban themselves, they're facing internal power struggles, which I, I got to admit, that part I don't necessarily find surprising. That they're not all together. That they don't, they're, they're not a, a place of, of, of safety and security? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that they don't know how they're going to lead themselves. I am not shocked or surprised by this at all and in any way. I don't think rational people are. I think that rational people see this and they say, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who are radically ideological and don't have the ability to engage a sane and cogent thought, which is exactly why those Americans left behind are hostages and why they're going to get killed. This isn't a government. Why in the world are people discussing it as the government of Afghanistan? They're not a government. They're a group of radicals absolutely dedicated to the destruction of the United States and will gladly utilize Americans for their purposes, and their purposes is whatever they can think to use them for. Money, food, medicine, raping for fun. This is who we're discussing here. Meanwhile... Back at the homestead, we don't quite exactly know how many we've gotten out. Let me say that again. We don't know how many Americans we have gotten out of Afghanistan. I don't know how it's possible. I don't know how we can't know, but yet here we are. Notice that I'm having a different conversation than whether or not we know how many Americans are in Afghanistan because it is possible not to know how many Americans are in Afghanistan. It's possible to know this. It's possible, I should say, not to know. It's possible not to know to have a miscount. It's not possible to have an incorrect number of how many you've gotten out of Afghanistan. This is Major General Hank Taylor, Joint Staff Regional Operations Deputy Director, discussing that number. Now, in this phase of the operation, over the weekend and into today, evacuation operations continued. Uh, yesterday, 26 U.S. military aircraft, all C-17s, departed with approximately 1,200 evacuees. In total, there were 28 flights out of Kabul airport in the last 24 hours, which included the remaining coalition uh, departures. As of today, 
more than 122,000, including 5,400 Americans, have been evacuated from Afghanistan. U.S. military troops have shown tremendous bravery and compassion as they put themselves in harm's way uh, to evacuate as many American citizens and Afghans as possible during this operation. That work by U.S. service members continues uh, across the globe at a number of intermediate staging bases and DOD installations. In CENTCOM, more than 27,000 passengers await follow-on movement from six active locations. So 5,400 Americans. That's what we're hearing, right? 5,400 Americans. So how many are left if we thought there were 15,000? And then they decided to revise the number to 6,000, and now we're like, wait. How can we even begin to have that much of a difference? That's why I say it is possible not to know how many Americans were there. But we're even having questions of whether or not the 5,400 number is accurate. That in terms of the Americans that have been gotten out. The absolute disaster does not necessarily have to be further discussed. However, it has to be addressed as absolute disaster because it is what it is what it is. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. He's 100% correct. We, we stand just roughly two weeks before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We are now less safe. The Taliban has more Black Hawk helicopters than Australia. We have weaponized them. We have lost over the horizon, as the State Department, the Defense Department talks about, because we lost mm -hmm. a, a military base that gave us the ability to see things into Russia, China, Pakistan, and others. We've watched China take this situation into Taiwan. We've watched Russia, when it comes to the Baltics or Eastern Europe, their ability to push further. This is not just what's going to happen next week. This is putting Americans in harm's way for decades. And now we have a president who also opened up our border. And this is a border that earlier this well, year that we have caught numerous people already on the terrorist watch list. And that is true. By the way, we talk about the arsenal. I'm going to give it to you. This is the arsenal. This is what we left behind. Now, this is an important conversation for the people who want to say, well, what about Trump? Well, what about Trump? Well, Trump wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. You ignorant sot. This isn't about whether or not you thought we should pull out of Afghanistan. This is about how we did pull out of Afghanistan. And there are far too many pseudo-intellectuals out there who refuse to address this as is needed. They are desperate to try and engage this radical level of confusion. You've got fools out there. Absolute fools like Rothkopf, who writes over at the Daily Beast, David Rothkopf, answering the questions from Mehdi Hassan over at MSNBC, himself purposeful in the deflection of the proper conversation. How would you grade the Biden-Afghanistan evacuation effort? Um, I guess I'd give it a, a, a seven or an eight. I think it's remarkable in terms of uh, the degree 
uh, of success they've had in getting people out. I think the total today is in excess of 115,000 people um, brought out in the past couple of weeks. Uh, the White House uh, earlier today announced an agreement among 97 nations to ensure that uh, flights continue even after the United States has left. You, know, you that- can't guarantee flights continue. The only way you could do that is by going back in and killing Taliban members. A seven or an eight? But then again, this is a guy who thinks it's all Bush's and Trump's fault. Critics. There have been a lot of critics, and these aren't just Republican or media critics. The Washington Post is reporting that even some House Democrats have raised the prospect of whether Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan should lose their jobs. David, this withdrawal has undoubtedly not gone according to plan, but should a senior Biden administration official be forced to take the fall for that, do you think? Absolutely not. That's just ludicrous. Uh, The amount of uh, success that they have had in dealing with very difficult circumstances uh, is enormous. And frankly, I think a lot of those critics are covering their own ground. Many of those people are Bush administration officials or Obama administration officials or Trump administration officials who created the circumstances that we're in. The problem is not what we've done in the past two weeks. The problem is what we've done in the past 20 years. The problem is what we've done in the past two weeks, and there could be a problem with what we've done in the past 20 years. That would be the honest way to go about it. But when you're as political as these guys, well, what do you expect? They take away from the conversation of how this pullout was done and only question whether or not we should have pulled out. Now, there could be larger conversations about whether or not we accomplished anything, whether or not we trained this military correctly, there is a series of questions there. I actually answer them over at my Red State series, uh, DC Outsider at redstate.com, become a VIP, use promo code CATS, K-A-T-Z, become a a VIP and you can see the series, DC Outsider. But let's talk about what it is that this pullout has done. This is the arsenal that was left behind. Tell me how any of this is Donald Trump's fault. Here's the arsenal. 22,174 Humvees, 8,000 trucks, 634 M1117s. That's 162,043 radios, 155 mine-proof vehicles, 16,035 night vision goggles, 169 armored personnel carriers, 358,530 assault rifles, 64, I'm sorry, 42,000 pickup trucks and SUVs, 126,295 pistols, 64,363 machine guns, 176 artillery pieces. This from the Government Accounting Office. How about helicopters? 33 MI-17s, 33 UH-60 Blackhawks, and 43 MD-530s. How about four C-130 transports, 23 Embraers, the Super Tucanos, 28 Cessna 208s, 10 Cessna AC-208 strike aircraft? That's what we left behind. Any of that Trump's fault, Bush's fault, Obama's fault? You can make the argument that we trained the Afghan military wrong. I make that argument. You can make the argument that we misunderstood the levels to which the Afghanis were really capable of handling the Taliban. You can make the argument that of the intelligence failures that uh, 
represented exactly how strong the Taliban was, Al-Qaeda was, uh, ISIS-K, etc. Again, this fetishizing the expert class will often lead to disaster. But you can't blame it on Trump. You got to blame it all on Biden. You can't blame it on Bush or Obama. This is all Biden. All of this is his poor leadership. And he is banking on the idea that you will forget come 2022. That you will forget. That's what this team is banking on. That's what they're betting on. And I believe our answer is, yeah, that's a bad bet. You did this, Biden and company, and you have to be held to account. I'm Tony Katz. The latest on Ida, this hurricane that hit New Orleans, now a tropical storm as it continues to move its way across uh, the, the, the country, across the really the south and mid-Atlantic states. Whew. The photos just absolutely, positively brutal all across. Oh, sorry about that. Right all across the area, just absolutely devastated. Power lines down, roofs ripped off of buildings. You had the power out, you had over a million people without power. The entirety of uh, Orleans Parish was without power. And just, it's, it's a mess. An absolute mess. I think that one of the things they did show, and I'm, and I'm curious to see how this story plays out, is these new pumps that they have. Remember, New Orleans is, is uh, below sea level. Um, these things work. Because they ran, they lost power. The pumps lost power. And while there's certainly still massive power outages, I am not as of yet getting the mass levels of flooding that I thought were going to take place in terms of what I'm seeing, what I'm looking at. And there could be different reporting than, than I have. I'm not saying there isn't flooding. And there are people who have been stranded and, and can't get help right now because of the flooding. This this is something else, but I I'm left with. Uh, there's a part of me that almost says, "My gosh, this could have been so much worse." There's also part of me that realized we don't quite yet know how much damage has been done. What is the final cost? We'll have it for you. Meanwhile. Bill Maher on Greg Gutfeld. Not on the show, but talking about him. There's a story. I'll get to it. I'm Tony Katz. A lot of people making a very big deal out of Bill Maher's commentary on Sunday night. Well, they're making a big deal because of what he said about Afghanistan. Uh, now, I got to tell you, I, I think I edited this right, but finger, uh, finger on the dump button there, producer Ari. You never know if I do it right or not. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Bill Maher, real time with Bill Maher, HBO. He's been known to let loose a, a few uh, curse words. Let's, let's see if he did it uh, this time. 
If you think America is irredeemable, turn on the news or get a passport and a ticket on one of those sketchy airlines that puts its web address on the plane. There's a reason Afghan mothers are handing their babies to us. Right. And, and we should take them. Americans right now should take in Afghan refugees into their homes and into their neighborhoods. And I'm sure everyone who just clapped is thinking the same thing. Yes, someone who isn't me should definitely do that. <laughs> but that doesn't make us the bad guys. We're not the bad guys. Oppression is what we were trying to stop in Afghanistan. We failed, but any immigrant will tell you we've largely succeeded here and yet the overriding thrust of current woke ideology is that America is rotten to the core, irredeemably racist from the moment it was founded, and so oppressive, sexist, and homophobic, we can't find a host for the Oscars or Jeopardy. He's not wrong. And I do argue that we should be taking in Afghanis. We take in the women, we take in the children, and those men who worked with the U.S. military. I do not take in other men. Because you don't know who's Taliban or not. It is simply unacceptable to do in a national security issue. And a line has to be drawn. Women and children, we should take with open arms. Open arms. And he brings up another point, and this is about the woke folk who find America hateful and awful and terrible and miserable. Everybody will, is willing to risk death to come here. This is a subject that is addressed by David Mamet in his book, The Secret Knowledge. If you have two planes, wherever you are is crumbling, falling apart. Everybody will be destroyed in 10 seconds. You have to make a decision. There are two planes you can get on. One goes to Israel. One goes to Syria. Which plane are you getting on? TikTok. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. And his answer is, of course, everyone's getting on the plane to Israel. Nobody goes to Syria. But Israel is, is an apartheid state, and oh, they're so oppressive. That's just garbage from liars. Leftist lunacy, not real life. Stay with me. Uh, my conversation with Selena Zito of Washington Examiner, we get into this very, very topic about what it is that we're seeing really with our own neighbors. She travels the country all the time. What is it that we are indeed witnessing? But one of the other things Bill Maher said is that Greg Gutfeld, with his uh, talk show, Gutfeld, which has now supplanted uh, past uh, Stephen Colbert in terms of ratings, he's the new king of late night. I have absolutely no idea if that's true. Because I don't know if there's a king of late night anymore. I think those days are, are long over. What I argue is that there is plenty of room in that late night space and people are desperate for more. I've been saying this for years. I just haven't been able to make it happen until very recently. And I'm thrilled that it is happening. If only just to prove the point that people want more than what they're getting. They don't care about Stephen Colbert, like they don't care about Seth Meyers. As a matter of fact, they hate Seth Meyers. 
The vast swath of America doesn't give a damn about Seth Meyers at all. He's not funny. He's not interesting. He's a political commentator who happens to be given an hour at night. He's not, he's not worthy of your time, your attention, or your love. Hateful and vicious and worthless. And there's a market for that, I guess. Just when you look at the ratings, I maybe I'm wrong. But people simply want not to get hated, and that's why they're tuning into Gutfeld, and that's why they'll tune into many, many, many other things. But what Marr said was that, you know, for years, the political right has tried to be funny and failed because they don't know funny. Well, now the left is funny. Wokeism is funny. These policies are funny. They are to be mocked. So now the right has all the opportunity in the world because the left gave it to them. I was at an event. You guys know I do work with Americans for Prosperity. And I'm actually doing a, a, a Facebook Live tonight. If you follow me, uh, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. We're doing a live tonight at 7.15 about infrastructure and, and about the latest on Afghanistan. And then is Scarlett Johansson right to sue Disney? Which is a very interesting economic conversation. So we're doing that tonight, uh, 7.15 Eastern. Uh, and uh, it, it'll be up there in case you missed it. It'll always be up there on the, on, on the Facebook page, uh, the, the live facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. And so I was at this event on Friday, and it was about because Bernie Sanders is doing a tour to push the infrastructure package. I don't know if they have the votes in the Senate or not, but remember, they're not interested in, in, in uh, attracting votes. They're interested in ramming this through regardless of the votes. They don't want to engage any process other than domination. Bernie Sanders has no interest in, in a democratic way or in being a, a republic, he has only an interest in exactly what he's interested in, which is being an authoritarian. He's a communist. Of course he's an authoritarian. And so are the fools that follow him. But they've never been told this. They don't know that they're authoritarians. They think that they're good and noble and pious. They don't know that what they actually believe in is this totalitarian nightmare. You don't think Republicans should have a say. If you believe that, if you think that that's good, you're the totalitarian. Bernie's plan is to tell other people to pay more because he decided they're not paying their fair share. A man who never worked a day in his life is going to decide that other people who work every day of their lives aren't paying their fair share. My father's 83 years old. He's telling my father that he hasn't paid his fair share. Now, my father is from Brooklyn, like Bernie is from Brooklyn, and I'm sure he could have a couple of choice words for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders hates the people. Because to say, well, you're not paying your fair share and I'm in a position of power to force that, that's totalitarian. That's dictatorial. That's who Bernie is. And the people who support him, my gosh, they don't see it. They all think it's going to work out for them like it's worked out for Bernie. Millions of dollars in three houses. His wife even has the luxury of bankrupting a college. I mean, that's how well it's worked out for Bernie. But he came to, to Lafayette, Indiana, where Purdue University is. 2,300 people showed up. 2,300 people showed up on a very hot early evening. Now, as I got more information about it, I learned that there were a lot of high schoolers there talking about climate change. Remember, going after the kids is exactly what it's all about for them. Indoctrinate the kids. Don't educate the kids. 
teach them to be afraid and teach them to hate others for making them afraid, and you'll have them for forever. That's that's Bernie. I mean, that's the kind of, that is exactly who Bernie is. So if a good chunk of those were kids talking about other things, they weren't all showing up for infrastructure. The group that I was with, they saw this was happening. They organized an event in a week. It was 100 people. Now, don't get me wrong. You can do a lot of good work with 100 people. You can, you can make a change with 100 people. It wasn't 2,300. Then, of course, I was there, and who else was there? Uh, Congressman Jim Baird. He's from the Indiana 4th. It was his district. I happen to like him a lot. He's got a, uh, stories um, uh, to, to, to tell. I think we're going to get with him in the next couple days. And then the Attorney General of Indiana, Todd Rokita, was there, and Senator Mike Braun was there. Now, Mike Braun, I have said some things about. We had a lovely conversation. Lovely conversation. I, I, off the record, I won't get into it. But I heard each one of them speak. And I saw within that one of the problems that we often talk about. You cannot simply come to the table and say, you know, socialism is wrong. You have to engage people in utilizing, provide them facts and opportunities to go out there and persuade. Socialism is bad is not a conversation piece. A conversation piece is this infrastructure bill is terrible because they have no interest in hearing from half the country. It's being forced on half the country. Why are we a country all of a sudden okay with forcing things? You have to persuade people that you've got a better idea. But Bernie Sanders can't persuade anybody. He can only shame, attack, ridicule, and force. That's not a way we want to run a country. Then the very concepts that are within this uh, legislation aren't about infrastructure. It's about health care. Now, you could say that health care matters, but health care is not infrastructure. So you're lying to America to try and get these things through by making a claim that it is. You can't lie your way to a better nation. I thought Donald Trump was the worst for lying. Why are we allowing lying? This was some of the things that I went over. And it was unbelievably well received. Better than I actually thought. It was as if they had simply heard for the first time something they can use. And this is why culture is so very important. Because I spoke to a group of 100. But Greg... Gutfeld has the chance to speak to millions in that way. He does that part of it very, very well. And there are many of us doing it very, very well. Oh, socialism's terrible. Oh, it's just a bunch of socialists. But now you got to explain it. You have to explain it. You have to share it in a way that people then can share it with others. Note that that is not dumbing it down, but rather that is providing a new way to look at the thing. If I see one more person getting interviewed on TV where they show the guy, say, ah, it's just socialism's terrible. They, they never interview me, man. The press was there, by the way. Oh, the press was there. I, there was no interviews. Mr. Katz, can we ask you a couple of questions? Oh, no. I don't even know if they turned on the cameras when I was there. Uh, I'm, I'm almost sure they didn't. Who knows? I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I would love to be wrong on that one. 
But what's working about Gutfeld is that he's not insulting the viewer. He doesn't hate half the country. He might think that some people are just wrong or just silly or just ridiculous. He may, uh, you know, shape his ire or, or focus his ire on Bernie Sanders and not Lindsey Graham. That's it. Have I or have I not referred to the Republican Party as the party of stupid? Producer Ari? Quite frequently. Quite frequently. Do you know why? Because they are. Because they are. This is how it has to be done. This is how you get people. This is how you do it. And it was very, very good for uh, Bill Maher to recognize that, to share that. Now the question is, will we see opportunities come from it? Now maybe I've been ahead of the game, certainly not a guy uh, on Fox with a show. I do other things on Fox, and and no, I'm never going to get a show on Fox. That's over. That's gone. But that isn't success. This is a a whole other thing. Only if it happens on Fox, if it's success? No, 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 no. No, 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 that. Of course that's not the way. We know that. We live in a new world. Look what Shapiro's doing. Look what Dave Rubin's doing. Uh, Outside outside of politics, in in the world of cigar and bourbons, I'm on 70 stations and and, and with with Eat, Drink, Smoke and EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. And wait till you see what's coming next. And the video series galore. Because there are more ways to reach people. There are more ways to make this culturally happen. Everything we've been talking about. I only wish I could have gotten going faster, but sometimes it goes as it goes. And sometimes there are setbacks. But the idea has proven itself true, and now it's clearly mainstreaming. The left is worthy of making fun of. It's okay to do because we should make fun of things that are funny and their policies and their actions are funny. And now maybe Colbert and Kimmel and Fallon and Corden and Myers will see that what they have been pushing on America just ain't America's interest. You're just plain boring. We'll go with the stuff that makes us happy and makes us laugh. I'm Tony Katz.